We chat with Abby, Greg, and Ben about their own remote collaboration and teamwork while writing this book, and they've turned around this book in record time. We also talk about some tips for leaders during this crisis and why being productive shouldn't necessarily be the top priority for everybody on the team. So if your team needs a little helping hand during these challenging times, just head over to designbetter.com slash remote work. That's designbetter.com slash remote work to download the book. It's totally free. Thanks as always for listening. And we hope that you enjoy the episode and the book. As a Design Better listener, we think you'll enjoy Tools and Weapons. It's a podcast hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Brad's conversations with leaders at the intersection of the promise and perils of the digital age touch on some fascinating topics, like the new AI economy and how AI is becoming a tool in the battle against hunger. On a recent episode, Brad was taken to Venice, Italy, where he connected with Eve Ubelmanhoff of Iconum. It's a startup that specializes in 3D digitization of endangered cultural heritage sites. During the relative quiet of the pandemic, Eve and his team used drone capture photography and some powerful AI tools to create a full-scale digital twin of Venice, a city threatened by climate change and over-tourism. How cool is that? On Tools and Weapons, Eve tells Brad how he's using this incredible technology to help preserve some of the world's most endangered cultural heritage sites in pristine detail so they can be studied and appreciated for generations to come. To stay current on some of the most innovative people working with AI today, you should subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith, wherever finer podcasts are served. Ben Goldman, Abby Sinnott, and Craig Story, thanks so much for joining us on the Design Better podcast today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And it's kind of a special occasion. So for our listeners, you should know that we work with Ben, Abby, and Greg on a regular basis here at Envision, totally remote, distributed company. We're in 20-some countries around the world, 700 and some people. We're all working remotely. This is our our native environment. And so, so many of us have made this, uh, what is for some an awkward transition from working in an office to now working remotely. Maybe we harbor some misconceptions about what remote is and and how we can be creative and collaborative together. And so the occasion for having Ben and Abby and Greg join us today is that today we've launched a new book on designbetter.com and it's called Remote Work for Design Teams. So let's just start with the premise of the book. Tell us, Ben, Abby, and Greg, what this book is about and why this is potentially useful to design teams around the world. I think for us, there is just an an obvious need given the current situation to open up a bit about how we approach remote work. But I also think that designers in particular have a unique responsibility and also opportunity in, in this current situation to really drive collaboration in their teams and keep people connected as they move to a remote environment. I'm not a designer by trade, but through my work in films, I've been able to meet dozens of incredible design teams. And one of the things that's always been really impressive to me everywhere I go is how designers tend to really serve as this connective tissue to bring people into conversations, start new conversations. Mm. Every time I've been in an office space, it's always the designer's computer who the team is huddled around. And so that connectivity that designers can offer to teams, I think, is especially important right now as people move to a distributed arrangement. 
So for us, this was an opportunity to both open up and provide some insight into how we approach remote work, but also to really motivate and inspire designers to step up and be of service to their teams during this time. Yeah, I would say that part of my job at Envision is talking to different design teams around the world. And when the COVID-19 pandemic started and became very serious and companies were mandating that people work from home, we had a lot of customers reaching out to us at Envision for advice about how to transition gracefully to working remotely. So I think that this book is really intends to kind of help people make that transition and kind of discover that with the restrictions that remote has, actually innovation can happen and it can be an opportunity to actually improve work processes, improve the way you collaborate and actually bring people closer together despite the physical distance. So we're hoping that this book is a valuable resource for people in this kind of very challenging, uncertain time. Worth noting that the book was actually produced remotely too. Yes. All the writers, so Abby's in London, Greg is in Seattle, and Ben is in New York. And then the rest of the team, there were 20-some other people behind the scenes producing this book together. We were all over, so uh, creativity and collaboration at distance. I think for me, you know, Aaron, I've got a lot of experience working remote. I started my studio and my first hires, my, the, the people I wanted to work with were on the other side of the country. Mm-hmm. So um, like Eli, actually, Eli, I know you've got a lot of time working remote. So I feel like this was a perfect time for me to take all the things I've learned, both in, in running a remote design organization, in leadership, in things I've observed at my time at IBM, where teams were distributed. They may not have been working from home, but definitely collaborating across the globe. Even things at USAA, where I had design teams both in San Antonio and in Austin, there's just been this snowball of experience building up, and this was a perfect opportunity to try to get into that kind of empathetic mindset of, if you're not used to this, what are some things that could be useful? What information, what kind of experience can I share that will help? And this was the perfect outlet to be able to get as much of that out as possible. So in this book, there's the you know, the idea of trust in a remote environment is discussed quite a bit. Apologies, you might hear my four-year-old running around upstairs. At least I do <laughs> right now. <laughs> so this idea is trust. And you know, if you're new to remote, can you really, if you're a manager, can you trust that your employees are working? Or if you're an individual contributor, can you trust that your other teammates are putting in the hours that you need them to? And this topic also came up in the last two remote-oriented podcasts that we've done. I'm wondering if any of you might have a story of a time where you had kind of a trust breakthrough with a colleague where you realized maybe there's even advantages to this remote situation. I can say one thing about working remotely. We're all working from our homes pretty much. So that already creates a kind of personal intimacy that you wouldn't get in a traditional office. Obviously, we're seeing each other's pets and backdrops of our houses and our children. So I think with some of my teammates, I've met their kids. And as a working mother myself, seeing that kind of aspect of their personal life has created Mm -hmm. kind of a bond and a trust that they kind of understand what I'm going through as well, juggling, taking care of kids and also working full time. So Definitely having that window into people's 
lives on a personal level has really helped to create trust and bonding and relationships. It's like an expression of vulnerability to some degree, right? right? That now we're, we're seeing into each other's homes, which is a little bit like seeing into each other's soul, you know, just a little. <laughs> and so I think it creates the conditions for trust in a way that we haven't been able to experience before. Yeah. And I think when working in a remote environment, trust becomes the day-to-day currency that you traffic in with your colleagues because you're not sitting next to each other and you're not able to see what everyone else is doing. And so you have to trust that other people are working and they're fulfilling their obligations and that you can rely on them. And so it kind of becomes the main currency of, of all relationships in a remote environment. And I think, you know, one of the themes of the book is that for all of the user experience change of remote work, a lot of the fundamentals of healthy teamwork remains the same. Mm-hmm. And so I think that trust is important no matter where you're working in what kind of context. But when you're working in a remote environment, you start to realize the importance of some of these fundamentals like trust a lot more vividly. Abby, in your chapter, you know, providing a lot of practical guidance and tactics for adapting from a physical office to a remote working environment, you talked about this idea of show and tell as a way to build this. It's like Greg said, the moment of vulnerability, sharing a bit about yourself. That's something that we've done on my team in the past too. And we found that it was probably the single most influential thing we did in our team to build a connection and an empathy and just understand one another as humans rather than colleagues, people that are collecting a paycheck from the same place. Could you talk a little bit about that and how might people use show and tell to build that connection? We also use it on our teams and it's something that we call purposeful vulnerability. Really, it is like you said, kind of revealing another personal aspect of yourself that your teammates wouldn't know otherwise. What we do is kind of the last 10 to 15 minutes of a meeting, we take it in turns and somebody presents something personal or they teach the team a skill non-related. And it's a great way to get to know that person better and create some commonality between each other. You know, Eli, for instance, he is part of our team and he talked about his underwater photography habit which is so cool. And he shared his photographs, something I would never have known about him. But now like I see him in a different light and I see he's a creative master with photography. So it's great. It's something we do, I think, bi-weekly as part of our team meeting. Are there any stories that came out of this collaboration, this most recent collaboration between the three of you where you know there was a lot of time pressure, this book turned around in an amazingly short amount of time. And is, is there something about that that kind of glued you together or or there was, was there a synergy there that helped get this book out in the time that it did? Like Abby was saying, the book was actually a great case study and one of the powers of remote work because we were able to bring together a team to work on this. And despite location, despite some of the current challenges, we were able to really go through that process of diverging and converging really well, right? So you bring together the team, and with a book project in particular, the diverging part is really crucial because you don't want to be writing in a crowded office space when there's tons of distractions. Writing is one of those things that really benefits from being in your personal space 
and being able to go heads down, turn off notifications, and then converge again as needed on a dime. We can just fire up a Zoom meeting and work through challenges or issues that we're having. So I would say that even just the experience of being remote itself helped enable the creation of this book. I felt like there was a need for this. And so it it felt like not so much the clock was ticking, but the sooner we can get this out, the more helpful it will be. And I'd also like to add, too, that it was really interesting working on this. And and you go back to trust. We didn't spend a lot of time reading over each other's shoulders. Ben had, uh, you know, the work that he had, his chapters. Abby, you had your chapter. There's just this trust of like, you've got this, you know, you're going to bring your point of view into this and that it will work. As we're talking about this kind of like meta layer of the remote factor of this team that put this together, we couldn't have done that had we not had that underlying trust just between the three of us. Support for Design Better comes from Uplift Desk, creators of office furniture designed to help you work better and live healthier. It's been estimated that the average person will spend one third of their life at work. Sobering, huh? That's roughly 90,000 hours at work over your lifetime. Imagine what happens to your body if you're working with bad posture and poor circulation. It can be devastating on your health. That's why Eli and I love Uplift Desk and their ergonomic desks and chairs. Uplift Desk makes solid, well-constructed standing desks that you can customize to match your workspace. And they have a wide variety of incredibly ergonomic chairs. My personal favorite is the Human Scale Freedom Chair, I'm sitting in it right now. For professionals like us, investing in the right tools, especially our desk and chair, is essential. You're going to get free shipping, free returns with free return shipping, and an industry-leading 15-year warranty that covers the complete desk. Eli and I love their products, and we know that you will too. Give it a try. Go to upliftdesk.com and use code DESIGNBETTER5 for 5% off your order. That's U-P-L-I-F-T desk.com to get 5% off your entire order with promo code DESIGNBETTER5. Support for Design Better comes from our friends at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com slash DesignBetter for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. From my daughter's first birthday to my son's first soccer game, if you're like me, you have thousands of precious family photos that only exist in digital form. That's why I've been using CrashPlan for a decade and a half now to back up all my important files. CrashPlan works efficiently in the background while you work, encrypting and sending all your new or changed files up to their secure cloud server every 15 minutes. And they make it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can also be your ultimate rewind button. Businesses of all sizes benefit from CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities, buy as many user licenses as you need, and easily manage them all under one account. Go to CrashPlan.com slash DesignBetter for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash DesignBetter, all one word, for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When we spoke with Seth Godin on Design Better, he said something very interesting. Everyone's got a noise in their head. You, me, your boss, everyone. That noise in our head is self-doubt, confusion, fear, anxiety, all of that. It's part of the human experience, and it can hold us back. Therapy is one of the best ways to work through it all, to quiet the unproductive noise and develop positive mental health. 
If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and to work with your schedule. BetterHelp can help you get the support that you need. Visit betterhelp.com slash designbetter today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash designbetter. I want to talk a little bit about chapter three, which is about leadership. And the way that you started that chapter, I found very meaningful that there's a lot going on in our lives that we have a sense of fear, foreboding, just like this cloud hanging over what does the future look like? Global economy is changing. The way that we work is changing. We're trying to homeschool kids for those of us with children at home, schools out and so forth. And the beginning of chapter three, you said, here's what you need to do to be the leader that your team needs right now. Tell us, what is it that leaders need to be doing right now to support their teams when they're feeling this soup of emotions? I think first and foremost, you need to be honest and, and know that you don't have the answers. But I think that you, you've got to be as much of a rock that they can just get a toehold on because there's so much that is not in our control right now. And yet we know there's going to be repercussions at different levels, you know, personal repercussions, potentially team repercussions, company, country, you know, world. And with so much up in the air, our people, our designers, our, our teams, they need someone they can at least look to who is helping to keep things in perspective and keep things as grounded as we can at this time. And what I guess what I mean by that is, to some degree, this may be freaking you out. You know, I'm, I'm freaked out. You're, everybody's, everybody's freaking out about this, but you can't bring that to work as much as, as you can uh, put on a brave face and to help reduce anxiety, right? Help make it so that not so much everybody can, can get back to work, but that you're not adding to the panic. You're not adding to the anxiety. You're you're at least just trying to keep it to a minimum. And you're just trying to be there. Tactically, how do you do that? And I think a lot of it is just listening and not trying to have the answers to synthesize what you're hearing and bring that back to the team. As right now, there's a, a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations. You know, we're, we're not in the office anymore, so we can't just have that kind of idle chit-chat that percolates throughout the open office format. And so I think you know, bringing the team together and saying, here's what you all are saying, thinking, feeling, and doing, and bringing back those empathy exercises to remind everybody that you're not alone. You're not alone in, in your anxiety. You're not alone in, in your concern. You're not alone in some of your day-to-day -day challenges, right? I think that's, that's just a lot of it right there. I mean, in chapter four, there's this great compilation of tips and tricks or more tactical stuff that can make you a better work-from-home colleague and more productive. Maybe we could talk to a couple of those. I think that communication is super important in a remote environment. So there's best practices for how to communicate most effectively. And that depends on kind of using the right tool when you're communicating. So we live in Slack. Slack is kind of a very easy way to communicate, but it can also lead to long threads that people lose track of. So one rule of thumb is we say that if the conversation is too nuanced or confusing, you can always move it over to a Zoom call. 
our co-founder, Clark, he has a great quote where he talks about if the conversation is getting emotional, move it over to Zoom because there's a lot of risk for miscommunication to happen. Also, I think it's really important that you're very clear when you communicate and intentional, again, so that the message is not misread. Our other kind of rule of thumb is that we always say to over-communicate when working in a remote environment, but also to be conscious of not overburdening your colleagues with too much communication. So too much, that creates a lot of noise, which obviously is bad for productivity and can be paralyzing. I think, Aaron, you said this, which was loop in the right people, but not all the people. So it's kind of having that judgment call is, who do I need to really involve in this conversation? Because remote, it can get very noisy with all the email threads coming in and the Slack channels. So be judicious when you're communicating. Ben, in the book, we've got some interesting video interviews that you conducted. Originally, we were thinking we would contact a bunch of people, but we realized that there are a lot of people that we work with at Envision who have been doing remote for a long time. They get it, and they have a lot of wisdom to share. As you spoke with people, was there anyone who kind of surprised you with some sort of insight or a new perspective on working remotely and being collaborative that was unexpected? Yeah, so I've been working remotely for the majority of my career, not intentionally. It was just a factor of the kind of work, you know, remote work's becoming more common. I think one of the things that surprised me was we have a lot of colleagues that come from traditional office environments. And this is their first experience with remote work. And the fact that they can transition so quickly into it, to me, was a bit of a shock. I, you know, there's there always is a learning curve to working in a new way. And one would expect that the learning curve for remote work could be more steep than others. But for example, when I interviewed Mike Davidson, I, this was the first time I realized that in his 20 plus year career that mm. he had ever worked remotely. And in fact, when, before he joined Envision, he generally didn't think too fondly of remote work. Like a lot of people, like a lot of managers, I think he was really skeptical of remote work. And he said as much in his interview. But when he joined Envision, he found a lot of his fears completely put to rest. And it was a result of a few specific things that I think became themes in these interviews. One is the importance of culture. Culture is one of those things that's going to be important in any company. But when you're working in a remote environment, you have to be a lot more intentional about cultivating the kind of culture that you want and that you want your employees to emulate. When there's a culture of transparency, compassionate candor, trust, psychological safety, that can help pave over any of the more immediate challenges and really put some of the more immediate challenges into perspective, right? Getting used to new tools or new workflows for scheduling meetings, those are all pretty minor. And so when you invest in things like culture, that can go a long way towards alleviating some of the uncertainty and unique challenges of remote work. One thing that is highlighted several times in the book, both in the text and in some of the interviews, is there's a shift to remote work, but it's not happening under normal circumstances. And people that have kids or significant others or even just pets maybe have a whole other set of distractions that they might not normally be dealing with. So I'm curious if you, any of you have stories about how you're dealing with that personally and how you're prioritizing things that might be helpful to our audience. 
So leadership, you you have to acknowledge that these are very, they're weird, strange times, strange circumstances, and that nobody is prepared. Nobody was hired to work in this way. Even at Envision, even though we're remote, we're also going through some of those pain points as well. Fortunately for us, our top leadership has acknowledged this. What was it? A couple of weeks ago, Clark sent out an email, pretty much giving everybody permission to be human first, a coworker second, mm-hmm. right? Is to um, acknowledge that this is bigger than than anything anybody's ever had to deal with. And so make sure you're taking care of yourself before you try to take care of your work. And I'm hearing and seeing evidence that that kind of permission, that grace is being extended in a lot of other different workplaces. Now, unfortunately, there's also a lot of people who aren't, you know, where that's not happening for them necessarily. But I think for the most part in in design orgs, at least I'm I'm seeing that as, as a pattern. And you kind of have to, we might be able to hope for the same output. But in terms of of how we work together, we need to worry about our humanity and make sure that we're being there for each other and trying to get the work done in what way we can. When we interviewed Allison Rand for the book, I think she said it really beautifully. One of the questions we asked her was, what do you tell managers who are worried about how this shift affects the productivity of their teams? And she said straight up that productivity will suffer. This is an uncertain time. Everybody has their own challenges in their situation that they're dealing with. It could be personal, it could be family, it could be mental, it could be professional. And if a manager is not willing to accept and acknowledge that there could be hits to productivity, then there's a bigger problem at play there. Like Greg was saying, it really begins with us just acknowledging the human component in all of this. Productivity will suffer, and that's okay. I mean, I think one of the outcomes of a crisis of this scale is that it helps put things into perspective. And in that sense, this is a really invaluable time to put things into perspective. One of the things that I think even inspired the book was just that there's an immense amount of gratitude that we even have the ability to work remotely because some teams don't have that ability and some workers don't have that ability. So we should maintain that, that mindset of gratitude about the situation and try to keep our eye on the important things and maintain that focus on the person, the human being on the other side of the screen and provide permission that yes, it might be challenging. The standards have changed. The expectations may have changed. It doesn't give people carte blanche to do whatever, but it does mean that we have to be cognizant and empathetic. Ben Goldman, Abby Sennett, Greg Story, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now that you've heard Ben, Abby, and Greg share a bit about the book, you probably want to check it out yourself. And to do that, you can go to designbetter.com slash remote work. It's the essential guide to help your team make a graceful transition from the office to working remotely and maintaining collaboration and creativity. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Lots to take away from that conversation with Ben and Abby and Greg, but maybe we could talk about some of the things that stood out for each of us. For me, hearing Greg talk about what it means to be a leader in times like these where you've got direct reports who have a lot going on at home, a lot going on in their personal life, and to be the best leader for them right now, we need to 
bring our game face to work. You might also be freaked out by the uncertain world, but being ballast for people in that time, being someone that they can talk to, being a good listener for them, checking in with your direct reports on a regular basis, even though they might not be speaking up and saying, you know, I'm struggling here, especially now that we're all remote. The check-ins are even more important now to just make sure that people are okay. Because it's hard for us to read body language when we're not all co-located in the same place. So being the leader that you want to have in times like this, being that for your direct reports, such an important thing. I think it also translates into being a parent too, with your kids at home, having Absolutely. something that they, they can lean on in that way as well. I think that's sage advice there. For me, what really stood out was at the end when Ben was just talking about having gratitude for our situation. I mean, first of all, we've been a distributed company for our entire history. So we have that kind of superpower to land on, even though it's still challenging for us. But more than that, just having the opportunity to continue to work and continue to make work that we hope helps other people out there. That's something to be very grateful for when so many people have lost their jobs for a multitude of reasons coming through this crisis. Yeah, totally agree with that. And you know, just that practice of gratitude daily is a way for us to find some emotional balance in tough times too. It can kind of shift our mindset and make us see our work and our world a little bit differently. It's also struck by the conversation we had, our colleague, Allison Rand, who is on video in this book, Remote Work for Design Teams. And she talked about how, you know, productivity is going to take a hit because people are tired. I know that my days are longer now because we're trying to juggle homeschooling. While I'm very comfortable with remote work situation and, and can be super productive with that, having this additional burden of kids home all the time and more meals to prepare and lots of communication from the school and so forth. It's just a lot of things to juggle. And it does take a hit, you know, in productivity uh, to a certain degree. And that's something that we, when we think about our direct reports and our colleagues, approach it with a, a bit of, of empathy and kindness of recognizing the challenges that they're going through in their life. I totally agree. And I think speaking personally, just my wife works from home too, but having the kids at home and juggling that and trying to educate them and then trying to be productive. It's, it's really, really challenging. And, and I think there was a really nice note that got sent out by a psychologist named Emily King, mm. who said that we are being asked to do so much right now. We're basically being asked to do three jobs at the same time, be a, a worker, be a parent, be a significant other. Many, you know, many of us are, are in this situation. And it's, it's just impossible. You can't do a great job at that or, or even doing good jobs hard. So really lean in on the fact that if you have your family or, or lucky enough to have your family or loved ones around you, that's, that's the thing to focus on at the moment. And as much as you can do your other job and support your colleagues, that's good too. But the family and those connections are, and close connections are what will get you through this and get them through it too. I think for me, the isolation ironically, just shines a bright light on the connections that we have in our world and the connection opportunities of getting on the phone with people we haven't talked with enough. Spending time with colleagues, I find a lot of meetings, they all start kind of the same way of like, how are you holding up? What's going on in your life? And we just have really honest conversations because things feel very real right now. There's a whole lot of feelings right now. So 
that's something that we need to be mindful of and make space for. Absolutely. We hope that the past couple episodes where we've been speaking with our colleagues here at Envision about remote working and getting some of their wisdom and best practices has proven useful for you and your team as you start to get your bearings shifting to a remote work environment. But we're excited about what's to come. Believe it or not, we actually have another book coming soon that's going to help you understand the business side of design. We're excited about that. Stay tuned. And thanks for listening.